This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment-related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. Today we'll be talking about ADD coaching. What is ADD coaching? How does it work and how might you use it in your business or even at home? My guest today is Jeff Copper, who is the founder of Dig Coaching. And Jeff has a unique approach to coaching and one I think you may find helpful in looking at this whole concept of coaching. His website is www.digcoaching.com and he also has digcoaching.com forward slash bundle that has some uh, free things for you to look at, read, and some of Jeff's favorite resources on the topics. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a really an honor um, and, and a privilege that uh, you reached out to me to kind of come on and talk about this topic that's near and dear to my heart. And uh, I, I also applaud you for being an individual trying to get good information out to the public. So thanks for the opportunity. Great. Glad to have you here. So let's start with why would someone with ADD want a coach or even uh, what can having a coach serve someone with ADD? Well, Dr. Parman, tell me, can you think of a professional athlete that doesn't have a coach? No, I doubt there are any. So a coach, what, what, what a coach's job is help an individual achieve what they're capable of. And they come at it from a, uh, an unbiased, discerning eye, and, and they can kind of see what's kind of going on. And, and I submit to you that I, I, I haven't been able to name a professional athlete who, hasn't, who doesn't have a coach. Now, they might not have one for a period of time, uh, right. but in general, that's what they're looking for. And those with ADHD, the interesting thing about that diagnosis is, is if you get the right diagnosis and the right treatment, um, you can actually live a very, very fulfilling life. And the cool part about ADHD coaching is you change lives. You can really impact them by helping people achieve what they're, they're, very, capable, they're very capable of doing. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that I wanted to talk about today is the word coach is a very fashionable word in our society right now. Uh-huh. And they sure use it is. very inter- interchangeably. And I think there's a lot of confusion over a coach and what it does. And I would like to take the opportunity maybe to talk about this a little bit. So get a little bit of a Swiss Army knife to understand kind of different facets of coaching and be able to recognize them when you see them. And one form of coaching is, as I described, it's kind of more behavioral coaching, and that's an individual who has a solution or solutions that they're going to offer up and then kind of coach your behavior to it. Mm-hmm. Um, parents are very much like this. Teachers, uh, mentors, they're like, okay, or consultants. You walk in and say, hey, here's this thing, and I'm going to kind of like, you know, let's, let's get your Franklin planner out and your colored pencils and sit down with your cup of coffee every day and kind of go through your schedule. Uh-huh. That's what something like that might look like. Um, the other kind of coaching, which I'm more uh, aligned with, is under what we call the ICF, ICF model, and that is the client is created naturally social, resourceful and whole, and they actually have all the solutions within them. My job is to help them 
or help draw it out of them. And in my world, what I do is I try to help um, them pay attention to what they're paying attention to, which we'll talk about in a second. But what what that type of coach would look like, and let's just take a simple example. Let's say somebody has ADHD and they're having difficulty with time management, which is very common. A more behavioral type coach might come in and say, well, here's a timer. And you set a timer when you're... When you need to get move transition from a project to another one, and often those with ADC, that timer will go off, and sometimes it will help them, but oftentimes they'll ignore it, and it'll become invisible. Um, my world is I would walk in and try to help a person really understand um, their attention and what kind of distracts them and gets their attention. And I had an individual that I worked with one time who was struggling with time management, and through working with we discovered that they were very sensitive to tactical touch. These one of these types of people who cut the label out of the back of the shirt because it was very distracting. Right, right. And, in that situation, we discovered if there was something that vibrated against their skin at that time, it would jolt them out of it. So my form of coaching would be look at what unique solution would work for them, in this case, a, a, something that vibrates on time. And I use this to kind of compare and contrast because if you look at that solution, you're not going to find it in the self-help section of the bookstore. It really works for that particular individual. So I want to stop here and give you an opportunity to kind of share your thoughts and comments on, on what I've kind of outlined in terms of, of what the benefits of coaching, why you would get it, and those two different uh, kind of categories that are defined. Yeah, I think the um, the behavioral coaching is probably what most people are used to, and probably you think that's what a, a sports coach does. I want you to circle this way instead of that way, one thing or another. And um, in terms of people with ADD who can look at, okay, I've got to figure out my workflow, and, and that's more behavioral things, but what you're getting at is something, even if it were listed in an article about coaching, may not occur to someone as making the, drawing the association between I'm sensitive to tags in my shirts to a vibrating bracelet thing would be more helpful for me to make a deadline. I certainly think one of the kind of uh, trance situations that people with ADD get into, and it's when their medications usually have worn off, and that is just one more thing I'm going to look up online, or they're playing a video game. I just want to see if they can, I can get to that level. It's only going to take a minute, and an hour and a half later, it's yep. now midnight, and they got to get up at 6. So yep. breaking that trance to realize, ah, I've got to go, and I think the uh, something vibrating is, is yep. for most people, going to grab their attention and help break them out of it. It's probably better if they can't turn it off yep. until they get upstairs or whatever. Well, so in, in the context of attention, attention is, from my perspective, is because it's unlike anything else. As Dr. Palmore, you can witness what you're paying attention but I, I can't see it. And because uh -huh. you I can't see yours, you can't see mine, so you really have nothing to compare it to. So when it comes to attention, you're really flying blind. And over a period of time, you begin to listen and infer and look for evidence that you're paying attention to the right thing. And all too often, it kind of points you in the wrong direction, and you begin looking for the wrong things. And one of the things that I like to do is... I've done many interviews in the past with Dr. Russell Barkley, and one of the things that I like about what, what, what he's, he's coming to, to talk about ADHD is, is ADHD is really an executive functioning issue. Uh -huh. 
one of which largely is self-regulation. And he defines self-regulation as an action you direct back on yourself to change your behavior, to change your future. It's a future-directed act. And those with ADHD have difficulty self-regulating their attention. In other words, I've got to stop now because I need to get off the computer because I've got to go do my homework or I've got to go to sleep. And so... I talk about this model a little bit with people to begin to become aware as ADHD is really not a deficit of attention. It's really a self-regulation issue. And it's really important here because if you're looking for deficits of attention, that's absolutely what you're going to find. But if you look at ADD as a self-regulation issue, you can actually see those things that those with ADHD always pay attention to, to the point where it's their issue is not paying attention to, it's actually stopping, much like an alcoholic trying yes. to leave the bar. And as a metaphor, one of the things that I do with those is I talk a little bit about, you know, the brain is a low-voltage electrical system, and a wave of electricity goes down the end of it. It skip the synaptic gap to, uh, to cascade through the attention network. And I talk about that, that, that uh, synaptic gap being uh, where in order for that electrical charge to jump, uh, neurotransmitters are sprayed into that gap, kind of like hairspray, and they're sucked in after electrical charge and I'm oversimplifying the brain a little bit, but dopamine is one of the key neurotransmitters for those with ADHD. It's the reward transmitter. It's the booyah! It's a yeah! Yeah. And I began to talk about it in very simple terms. And I said, think of ADHD as a dopamine addiction. If you get, if you push the lever and you get the fix, you pay attention to it. And if you if you push the lever and you don't get the the, the you don't pay attention to it. And so in that simple model, we begin to, it helps people witness their attention and manifest as a self-regulation issue. So let me show you how this shows up, at least in my coaching. Often, kids with ADHD, teens or whatever, might play computer games all, all the time, and person would say, you know, they're having an issue here. What I do is I begin to say, really, what games? Like, uh -huh. something here is giving them the juice, I wonder what it is. And often I find this to be very, 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 very common is, is those with ADHD, they play like Halo or uh, Call of Duty. Right, the mu I multiple think. player um, yeah. kinds of things. And when I do, I say, do you like to uh, play poker or to play chess? And if they do, it's interesting to me because... And by the way, there's some of them, some people play the games just to beat the game, to, to, to get the cheats and stuff like. But this particular crowd, I find, is that there's a lot of those with ADC that like to study human behavior or behavior in general. And if you're going to win that game, you really got to understand the behavior on the other side. So mm -hmm. let, me, let me pause for a second and say, if on the behavioral side, it's the, oh, this is a computer game and you need to set a timer and leave. On my side, I'm trying to say, I know you're playing the computer game, but what's giving you that reward? What is it there that you're paying attention to that you can't move away? And if in this situation I was right, that they're really enthralled by the study of behavior to win the game. One, it's great if we begin to recognize it because we realize that that actually could be a passion. By the way, that's a very transferable thing if you go into private detective or marine biology or, or stuff like that because you like that study of the patterns. Right. And when they begin to realize that, they become more conscious of it. And when I say, hey, listen, now you know what you're, when you get on there, is, you're going to be taken away. And it gives them the ability many times to pause and override that automatic impulse to go do that. And I'll do a lot of working with them for over a period of time and saying, listen, realize that, that your, your attention is like a magnet. It's going to go, boom, right over to there, and you're going to get stuck with it. So watch your attention. Get drawn to it. 
the magnet is one metaphor, or you're, you're going towards that dopamine thing and realize, okay, I see that I'm doing this, what am I going to do about it? Almost as a, as a tension exercise for them to begin to see it, because when they do, they become more conscious, and it gives them the ability to pause, and then we can talk about natural ways for them to override it, whether it's something that vibrates, or somebody that comes to talk to them, or something that they need to have a timer where the game just kind of kicks off at time. So, I mean, kind of going on, I want to kind of pause and let you have an opportunity to share your thoughts on this. Well, I think um, when you're talking about um, having that pause, I think of the, the ideas of mindfulness in terms of paying attention to what you're paying attention to. Yes. And so where does the pause come for someone who wants to play the computer game, is it, okay, before I start, I have to realize what I'm doing, or something like the vibrating bracelet that, okay, I've set that I can do this for half an hour, and that's what triggers them into the pause. So where would someone, I guess, plan or look for that pause? So, okay, this is the trick. It's not planning or looking for the pause. It's actually being able to pause. Because remember, if ADHD is a self-regulation issue, the problem is, is think of your brain as a two-level system. You've got that automatic brain that, like, that, that is, I'm going for my dopamine fix, where you just impulsively go after it. Or right. you reach for a door with your dominant hand. That's your auto, or we have habits. And those right, are right. automatic behavior. The executive functioning, what we're talking about, the prefrontal cortex, is very effortful because it's got to step in and it's got to override the automatic brain. It's very, very effortful. And to be able to, stop, to pause and notice it in order to override it, now that's the trick. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the single greatest thing I can teach anybody with ADHD is the power of the pause. And when we talk about emotional self-regulation there's a lot of stuff there I interviewed Autumn Zatani at Sesame Street and actually teach um, preschoolers um, how to understand emotions and in coaching you say listen to your body because that'll be the trigger to help you pause and the emotion thing's a whole other thing but it's, it's right, right. To Melissa Orlov and Sesame Street and everybody talks about how to down-regulate emotion it's the same process everybody uses completely different words but some of them the same thing going back to the attention side is to, is, is to begin to watch your natural patterns and, and witness it and know it's going to happen beforehand and actually build in prompts or different things before you catch yourself. Because if you pause now, because again, self-regulation is, a, is an action you direct back on yourself to change your behavior, to change the future. It's the, oh, here I am. Right, right. I was, I was coaching a college student one time and he had Xbox in his room and never make it like, dude, That's like crack cocaine at your feet. At yes. You've got to acknowledge that, that it's, you're going to get sucked into it. Now, one day, I said, what would it be like if you took it on the other side of campus? And I'd like, you could, I could hear the fur on the back of his neck kind of going on. And, and as, as, as I just acknowledged it, he became aware of it and, and would, like, not in the moment, but he would reflect back, like, I missed class today because I got out of bed and went there. And this goes back to your comment about meditation, is as you begin to become conscious of your your attention sometimes in the rearview mirror we kind of start to work our way backwards so we can actually get it at the point of performance because it's odd now now you have the opportunity to choose and actually override it but until you actually are able to pause you're still at the whim of it so right so you're helping people look at their attention patterns and as you say watch yep. the natural process and bring them to the point of finding oh I could yep. do it differently. Yep. And so, 
So one of the things that I like to do is I like to give people attention exercises. And, and remember your meditation comment for a second, okay? Uh-huh. When I'm, this is not for everybody. This, it really depends on who you're working with. But for some that are very, they don't have a problem with the emotional regulation. It's really the attention regulation. There's an attention exercise I'll do. And I, I, the idea, it's kind of like shooting free throws. I want you to go practice this as much as you can, become aware of it. And the, the exercise is, is to spend like an hour, particularly where you're doing stuff, maybe meal prep or something like that, where you spend the hour focused on using your less dominant hand as opposed to your dominant hand. And in that moment, when you do that for an hour, you begin to realize is that your instinct is to use your dominant hand, and you actually have to pause and kind of watch yourself in order to override that instinctual behavior. And those that do this exercise often will say, you know, it was interesting because I got far less done because all I could do I, to, to accomplish this, all I could think about for the hour was, in my case, left hand, left hand, left hand, left yes. hand, to the point where it, it chewed up their working memory and they couldn't remember everything to do. Conversely, those that didn't focus on the overriding it, they, they made a lot of mistakes. Right. So I, I say this because I also like to, to give this to people that don't have ADHD so you can actually kind of get the experience. You're expecting them to just do it, and it's like they've got to walk around their entire life thinking left hand, left hand, left hand, to the point mm-hmm. that times they don't get it. It's very tiring. It's very, very effortful. But the thing about it, Dr. Pomeroy, is if you do that on a regular basis, for some, not for everybody, there's a certain crowd that this works for, is that you begin to kind of catch yourself and you notice yourself or kind of narrate your life, if you will, and then you start to kind of be able to pause in the moment, which, which at the end of the day, if we had more time, we would talk about meditation and mindfulness and what I call attention exercises because they're really, they're, they're very, very similar um, in feature, but that notion of, of going, again, as a coach that I am, you're starting to hear about how it's, I'm helping you witness your attention and kind of witness your brain in its natural habitat, and then the idea is we want to beat your brain at its own game over I, a period of time. What uh, strikes me about the, the exercise in terms of the left-hand dominant, other than I'd have to figure out where the hospital is because I'd cut <laughs> two fingers off my right hand, um, but is that it is a a physical motion and something you're doing, it's yep. not just you're thinking about it while you're playing the game or whatever, but you have to really adjust what your body's doing, and that forces you to um, pay, pay attention to that particular thing and realize that, all right, I do have to stop and you know, pick up the knife with your left hand, keep your right hand out of the way, all those kinds of things that if you were just kind of reading a book and thinking about it abstractly, it wouldn't register. Yep. So I think that's a, a great... Uh, you, you are. I want, to take it, I want to just take it a little bit further because you touched on some really good points. Is Everything that you described is exactly right, but, but the executive functioning brain, that is what we're talking about, it's not about knowledge. Knowledge is in right. fact, the front part is where you take the stuff in the back and you twist it around, you order it, and you execute it, and you apply it. And so when you're sitting there thinking about left hand and what do I do on my right, da, 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 you're actually organizing the sequence of your movements in order to execute it, which is executive function, which is the area that we're talking about. And mm-hmm. it's difficult for you to do that stuff. And that's the cool part of this exercise is you begin to see how hard it is for those with ADHD to do it and become very, very effortful. And again, the key is if they do that for a period of time, not for everybody, 
particularly the ones that struggle with emotional self-regulation, but those that are very self-aware, I find this to be very effective where they do it and they, they, they start to be able to pause in life. And then once they're paused, they can choose another uh, direction. Sure. That goes back into the, the, okay, we know that you need to manage time. You're going to pause. Let's talk about what has worked for you in the past, not... Not what you do now. So let me just digress for a second. When I'm coaching time management, one of my favorite things is they'll say, hey, Jeff, I want coaching on time management. I said, tell you what, you know, David, let's do that next week. Just remind me when I call you or when you call me to say you want coaching on time management and I'll find something else. So they do that. A week later, maybe the call's at 2 o'clock and they call in at like 2.03. And I go, hey, hey David, how you doing? Great. David, what do you want coaching on? I want coaching on organization and time management. Time management. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, aren't you so, you've got to be so proud of yourself. Like, this is absolutely amazing. How are we going to celebrate? And the person's like, what? I go, you made it to this call on time, didn't you? Yeah. How'd you do it? Well, I wrote it in my planner. Well, okay, you did that, but how did you remember it? Like, yes. you didn't have your yep. planner today, did you? Like, what was the trigger? And it's fun for me, David, because they'll sit there and they go, they really, they start giving me a whole bunch of, like, things. I'm like, no, no, what, how did you remember it in order to do this and pull it together? And it's funny because they think they have a time management problem, but if, as I begin to ask, ask some questions, we begin to reveal it. So one of the fun things for me, too, is this crowd that will show up with time management issues. And though I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always 10 minutes late. Really? 15 minutes late? Sometimes. An hour late? No. On time? No. Five minutes late? No. 10 to 15 minutes late? Yeah. Always? Yeah. So what's your recipe? How exactly do you manage to be 10 minutes late all the time? And it's funny because they don't know. And I begin to ask them questions that most of them actually have a recipe. I mean, it's very, very, I mean, they have this ritual that they go through, but they're not aware of it. And then when they become aware of it, what's interesting is I've actually had people say, well, I'm always 10 minutes late because I want to skip the boring part. That's a legitimate reason. Or they go, hey, this is the deal. Let's move that up in the schedule a little bit for them to make it on time. So I've digressed a little bit, but by going back to my point really is, is this type of coaching, not the behavioral side, is very much about helping people see their mind process in, in action and begin to witness what went right, what enabled me to make it to this appointment on time, because whatever worked, let's just photocopy that. I, and I think um, a couple of things occur to me. What I see oftentimes delays people when they come in for an appointment here. Well, I just had, had to stop to do this. Or I was about to go out the door and I remembered I left the laundry in the washing machine. I want to make sure it got in the dryer. And then they're 10 minutes late. So I think that just one more thing or... I've got to be sure to do this. I've got to write this down. And that's where, if they had the pause, that somehow they could put in when they thought just one more thing. So, so, or I'm about to go out the door and I've got to pause and look at, and of course the other one is remember to look at your planner so you know what's coming along. It's great if you wrote it there, but if you don't look at it, then you miss the appointment. So there's there's two sides that we're coming in on this everybody is is one as I'm describing is when you're always 10 minutes late, begin to witness what your process and formula is because you're right. A lot of times I'm just going to do one more thing, but at some point in time they actually cut it off in time to be 10 minutes late. 
Uh-huh. So if they can begin, if they can begin to witness, oh, here I am doing that one more thing, and there's that thing, you know, at some point in time that tension gets and they leave to be 10 minutes late, hypothetically. Again, this is just for the 10-minute late crowd. Is Then they sit there and they witness it. Then they're starting to witness exactly, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mindfulness. They're like, oh, here I am answering this email. And the convergence of knowing what their recipe is and witnessing themselves, almost narrating themselves in the process, that many times is how the pause comes about. And then, now that they're aware of their attention and what's going on both, this is my recipe and this is where I'm leading up, now now they're a choice to, to, to do uh-huh. something about it. And, and what I find is interesting is awareness is powerful. Often when you become aware of it, people will activate without even me going to goals and stuff. Other times we need to, to do that. But just that witnessing your attention and watching how you do it is absolutely amazing. And, and in that situation, too, as you've described, sometimes they're doing one more thing. But another one is they begin to witness the stories that they're telling themselves in order to stay there for a while. And some of them actually, actually uh, for some of them that are really self-aware, it's kind of funny when they start kind of coming back and telling me, oh, I fell for this one last time i fell for it again today just uh-huh. awareness of some of that stuff that helps build into the pause and the more you, we exercise that muscle the more they're able to override it and then manage that self-regulation problem and one of the the other things that comes in here is that executive function of working memory where oftentimes people with add don't remember the consequence from last week yesterday when i chose to do this, such and such happened, and so they're back in the same situation. They fall in their automatic process, and they forget what happened when they did that before. So, so, so how do you approach the working memory um, well, let me, let me, just conundrum? Just time pers- for time perspective, I, I've got a, an interesting exercise I'd like to do, but it'll take a minute or two. Are you okay if we take that time? Yeah, yeah, I think we're fine. So remember, I'm an attention coach. I'm an ADHD coach, but I'm not the behavioral side. I'm, I want to help people witness it. So I have a, an exercise that I want, to, I want to do with this right now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to say four words. And I don't want you to repeat them, and I don't want you to write them down. Okay. I want you to be ready to repeat them back to me in alpha order. Ready? In alpha order. Okay. Kangaroo, B, heart, Teacher. Okay. You repeat them back to me in alpha order? Be heart kangaroo teacher. Excellent. Excellent. Now, that exercise that we just did, believe it or not, 50% of the time, those with ADHD either forget a word or they get the order wrong. And I give this exercise for people to actually, could we talk about working memory, but notice when I gave you those four words, you had, to rem- you had to hold them in your mind and pay attention to each one of them one at a time to notice what they started with. Then you had to start a second list without forgetting the first list and able to repeat it to me. And what I was doing is take the first one and relate, okay, the second one's before it, the third one's in yep. between. So I was making the sequence as you were telling me the words, but I still had to remember that first letter yep. and think, okay, H, is that before or after K? Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's have, that process. You're just having to hold that all there. Now, the thing I do, almost everybody I coach, and the idea here is maybe not right, but imagine if I gave you eight words or 12. Uh-huh. Or what if I just gave four really complex thoughts? And right. So, 
they struggle with working memory. So how does this show up? Okay, so you're up in Canada, you or up in Northern. You come in. It's been a day. So you got your briefcase, right? You got your jacket. You got to do something with. You picked up the dry clean on the way home, and you got to go to the bathroom. Those are the four things that are like in your working memory right now. And then your spouse walks in and says, "Hey, listen, there's a leak in the kitchen." Now. In that scenario, now you add a fifth thing. It's like, don't spill the beans. You're going to forget something at this point in time. And that's with that, that awareness of those with ADHD to realize that my working memory is limited. That when you get that fifth thing, okay, what am I going to start to do so that I can get this out of my head so I don't have to rely on my working memory to remember it? And all too often, those with ADHD, they're oblivious, and they begin to forget things, or they're not acknowledging that, that they have a working memory problem, and they never actually document it to begin with. And so when I'm working with people, A, I want them to to witness what working memory really is, and then actually help them see it like, oh my God, I got inundated when I come in, came into the house and I wasn't able to do that. That's right. Now that they're aware of it and they do it a couple times, they realize it's my working memory. And then you say, okay, what are those times where you able to remember? And it's interesting how they, they would write it down or put things in certain places for them to remember, and we capitalize on that. And so, again, going back to this space is those with ADHD really struggle with that working memory, and until you're conscious of it, it really makes it difficult to pause and or manage it and or regulate it. So with that, I'll, I'm just time to, to share your comments. Yeah, I think where I see um, that often showing up is, uh, either someone's working on a project and then the email from the boss comes in or the boss walks in the door or one of their uh, people that are helping with another project comes in. They start talking about a totally different project and that transition to, okay, now they catch up with that person's question, but they forgot really where they were in their thinking process yep. on their own. Or you're in the hallway, you talk with someone about an idea, and you figure, okay, I'm going to write that down. As soon as I get to the office, someone else comes up, start talking yep. about a different one. The first one's totally out of mind by the time you get back to your office. Yep. So coming up with your strategies, whether it's, hey, you know, could you just send me an email? It's easier for me if I see it all in print. Yep. Something that can help get that uh, back. Yep, so absolutely. we're going to have to uh, pause here, Jeff, and I think probably uh, have you come back in a few months after people have tried the working memory exercise um, mm -hmm. and uh, catch up with some more things we can do. That so good to me. My guest today has been Jeff Copper, who is an attention coach and gets people to Pay attention to what you're paying attention to in some novel ways. His website is Dig Coaching, all one word, lowercase, digcoaching.com. And another part of that is digcoaching.com forward slash bundle, where you can read more about some of these exercises and get some uh, fun free stuff to help you practice. This has been ADHD Focus. I'm your host, David Pomeroy. Thanks for your attention, and until next time, be well.